0: Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophets Speak. Today we continue our study of the second book of Samuel, that's Shmuel Bet, chapter 18, that's Perek Yud Ches. We left off the end of the last chapter with David and his men settling down across the Jordan River at Machanoim, where they received help and sustenance from, from three individuals that were loyal to David that all of whom were once um, enemies of his, but had now uh, made peace with him and became his loyal supporters and followers. Uh, so his men had time to rest, had time to regroup, refresh themselves. And we also read that Shalom had amassed a massive army which had now crossed the Jordan and had arrayed itself against David and poised to attack. And now we will see Uh, We will read in chapter 18 Of David's army's defense Um, And and we'll see how this plays out So here we have chapter 18 With this tense situation About to unfold So David um, uh, Mustered the troops He brought everyone together Counted everyone out Divided everyone And (coughs) he appointed And he appointed (coughs) uh, you know um, captains and, and lieutenants and, and, and colonels you know uh, over the thousands and over the hundreds, divided everyone into units and so on to get ready to, to, to organize and do battle. This is what would they would not have had time to do had they been attacked like Akchiitoal's advice uh, right away while they were running as refugees. Now they're able to get themselves together, make sure everyone has their provisions, make sure everyone has their weapons, make sure everyone's trained, everyone knows their job become a much mightier and stronger fighting force. He divided them into three groups. <coughs> a third of them were being um, led by Yoav, and a third of them being led by Avishai. And the third group was, was being led by Itai, the Gittite. So among David's troops here <coughs> were also troops... Of the Philistines, we'll see later also there was a Cushite soldier. So this was a group of many people assembled, not just from the people of Israel and Judah, but also from all of David's supporters, which he had gathered over the years. The king said to the nation, I will lead you in this fight, I'm going to go out with you. This is in contrast, of course, to what happened which really led to this whole thing which was when David did not lead his troops into battle way back when which ended up leading to the to his um, sin uh, the adultery with Bathsheba and so on and we criticized David that back then for not leading the troops in battle himself so here David is obviously learned his lesson he says I will fight this battle with you I will lead you into battle but the people here said and this is a very different story. say, no, you don't go. This battle is very different from the previous battles. The previous battles you led on behalf of the people. So you, as the leader of the people, right, we're suppo- uh, should, are the one who to, to, is supposed to lead us into battle because you're the leader. This battle is different. Here it is the people battling for you, for you, David, to remain king. So you are the valuable character here. You need to stay back. If it and tactically it makes sense because Abshalom and his people they're not our enemies. If we run and it's just us, they won't care if 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 we run. They're not necessarily going to chase us to kill us one by one. If if half of us died, right? They they um. They also won't care. In other words, they're not going to try to go after the other half. However, you are worth 10,000 of us. The In other words, but if you're with us, then they're going to fight stronger and, and, and they're going to do everything they can until they get to you. So they'll, they'll fight more because you are their target it would be better if you just stayed back in the city and helped us that way and helped us the simple understanding is helped us simply because you're not with us so you're helping us by not being there so uh, David heeds their advice he stays back and the people go out to battle and he says the king said to them that which seems good to you that's what I will do in other words, that what you suggested. I'll follow your advice. He stayed at the gates of the city. of And everyone else went out in their groups of hundreds and thousands, in their, in their battalions and divisions, so to speak. The king talked talk to the three leaders of all three three uh, battalions, or, or, or um, saying. Laat li lanar Avshalom. Um, Laat means deal softly, be soft, be be slow, be kind to the boy Avshalom. Here he's calling him a boy, even though his actions are anything is much more of a of a man uh, than a boy. But Avshalom, but he's still calling him a boy. He's his son. That's how he treats him. That's how he thinks of him. Everyone heard. It was well known that David asked them specifically to treat him kindly. In other words, don't kill him in battle, take him prisoner, I want him alive. Assuming that David still is hoping for some form of reconciliation between him and his son, despite the acts that his son has engaged in. And the the soldiers went out to, to greet the Israelites. And interestingly here, um, the Israelites are are being called Yisrael, and we're getting the sense of the later divisions, and we've had this before, that people of Yisrael and people of Yehuda are already consider themselves different entities. We've seen this a lot. This has come up a lot. Eventually, we know they're going to completely split into two kingdoms. That's not going to take place for a while, uh, in, in two generations from now, but... The seeds are sown. The different cultures, the different groups have already have already established themselves in this way. And the war took place in the forest of Ephraim. It's interesting that it says in the forest of Ephraim, even though it was happening on the east bank of the Jordan River, and Ephraim did not have uh, land there. Ephraim was located on the uh, west bank of the Jordan River. But... Um, Nonetheless, this is called the Forest of Ephraim. There's various explanations as to why that might be. I'm just pointing out the issue. And the nation of Israel, in other words, the people being led by Av Shalom, were struck down really hard David by by, in front of the soldiers of David. And uh, the, it was a tremendous rout. Tremendous slaughter of the soldiers of Absalom's army, uh, uh, twenty thousand casualties. But the, the battle and the war spread across the entire land, so it's the the battlefield was really large. There were troops meeting, fighting against each other all over. And this, <coughs> the yar, <coughs> the forest, which we called the forest of Ephraim. Um, Began to devour the, the people of the nation even more, may Asher Achla, more than that were killed by the sword. The simple understanding is people ran into the forest for shelter, and when you're running helter-skelter through the forest, people bumped into trees, knocked over rocks, fell into ravines, and died on the run even more than people that died um, by Cherub by, by sword. Others understand this, Rashi brings, understands this, that means the, the beasts of the forest. Um, but the simple understanding is that the forest itself was the obstacle that killed many people. Vayikorei Avshalom Lepnei David And the, um, it happened that Avshalom himself encountered some of David's servants. Vayavshalom um, Pered And Avshalom was riding on a mule. Interesting, it says the mule. Why does it say the mule? Uh, it should have said A mule. The mule gives us the sense that it was a certain special mule, possibly a royal mule, which is the way the rabbis see this haperet. The mule passed under the, the tangled and intertwined branches of a large Ela tree, generally understood to be a terebinth, which has very uh, uh, knobbed and tw- tangled up thick branches that generally go low to the ground. So the mule, by running under, because the mule probably panicked because it was being chased by the David's uh, soldiers, it ran under the tree, uh, regardless of the fact that its rider, Hav Shalom, um, it was going to get stuck in the branches. by Roshu, Vayelah, in his head, and this is understood often to mean his hair, Right? because remember, he had this tremendous growth of beautiful hair, which we mentioned earlier, got stuck in the branches. And he was hanging there between the heaven and earth, meaning he was hanging, the, 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 the people interpret this in many ways, but the simple meaning of the verse, and because I generally try to stick to the simple meaning of the verse as much as possible in, in this podcast, is that he was just hanging there in the air with the ground below him, tachtov, and the mule that was beneath him, Avar, kept on passing. So there he was dangling from the branches. and a certain man saw, and he told Yoav that that he was stuck in the tree. And he said, He I have seen Avshalom he's hanging there in the tree. So uh, so um Yoav, and remember, Yoav and Avishai are the, the hot-headed ones, the ones with the temper. And um, and on many occasions, we've seen them go against the wishes of David, or or sometimes just suggest that we should go against the wishes of David and take revenge for David, even when David himself did not want to take that path. And here, Yoav is following the same trait, <coughs> the trait that is eventually going to lead to a complete... Um, uh, just a lack of faith between David and Joab. We'll get to that later, but it's developing here. So Yoav says to this person that brought him this news. So you saw him, why didn't you strike him down? I would have given you ten silver pieces and a belt. Presumably, this belt is, is like a like a medal, a war medal of, of sorts. Which a person that does a, a heroic deed would get it would earn from the from the higher officers. the man said to Yoav, Even if you were going to give me a thousand pieces of silver, I still wouldn't hurt the son of the king. It, everyone heard. We, we all heard when the king commanded, You and Avishai, and Itai, saying, that to be careful not to harm the boy of Shalom and had I uh, lied right um, and and done the deed and pretended it wasn't me, you think I would have gotten away with it. Nothing is hidden from the king. You would have stood there and watched as David would have taken out his wrath on me for killing him. So no way, I'm not getting involved in this nonsense. I heard the king's instructions. Don't expect me to, um, to take any sort of action. If that's the case, then I will not sit here and talk to you He took three darts in his hand and he threw them um, into the heart of Avshalom while he was still alive, (coughs) hanging in the terebinth tree. And then two um, of Yoav's um, men uh, uh, surrounded him, those that were carrying the weapons of Yoav, and they struck him down until he died. Uh, one obvious question here is that uh, if he's just hanging from his hair and needs to escape with his life, why did he sit around there dangling? Why didn't he just cut his hair and run? Um, so there's a lot of interesting rabbinic traditions about this, uh, one of which I'm going to mention because. Um, uh, because I think it has a deep meaning behind it. The, 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 the rabbis' in on the words where it said, He's hanging between the heavens and the earth, it gives the sense that Avshalom saw above him the heavens, right? And the earth meaning hell, right? And he saw hell beneath him, which means he saw that what waited for him was, was eternal punishment. And he thought, if I just hang here, they're going to kill me. And then maybe that will be my kapara. That will be my um, how I get forgiveness. You know how I get atonement for the terrible actions that I have taken. Now, it's it's. um, I think it's a very meaningful, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, passage because what what it what what I what I think it's really trying to tell us is not so much that Absalom looked down and saw the burning fires of hell, but rather. Absalom hanging there realized the state that he was in. He realized that he was at the mercy of David. He was being routed, no matter what he did. He lost his mule, he was being chased. He lost, uh, his armies were being crushed in battle. He knew that everything was over. He thought to himself, "My, if I cut my hair and try to run, who knows what'll happen? I might get swallowed up in the woods. I might get um, I might get killed by some other soldiers. I'd rather just stay right here <coughs> and then maybe some kind of mercy could happen to me. Maybe I can somehow get saved because uh, it, the situation was hopeless. And that's what it means that he saw heaven and hell before him. In other words, he saw the results of his deeds. He saw that that, that his actions have now come back to haunt him and um, therefore had no other choice but to just stay there. <coughs> so we're going to stop here. This will conclude 18a. Next, we are going to read of the how they informed David of the news. That we'll read about in 18b as we complete this chapter. Thank you so much for studying this together. Looking forward to studying the rest of this beautiful book together.